Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Yeah. Uh, okay. I got a busy night. I got a hockey game to get to, so we're going to have right. to go pretty fast here. Okay. Um, it was a it was a very frustrating game for about uh, oh, 50 man. minutes, and then the orders came alive in the last 10 minutes. Uh came back, uh, got a goal, two to one loss. They could have tied it up in the last seconds, but Leon Dreisaitl hit the post. Kind of a thrilling last sequence of events, but uh, not the payoff that other fans were hoping for. Um, so this is uh, our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, what's your good thing? Well, my good thing is the goaltending in this game. I'm going to tip my hat at both netminders. Uh, but from an Oilers perspective, um, Mikko Koskinen played well enough to steal one, if not two points in this game, facing 44 shots, uh, stopping 42 of them. I think you had, what, 16 grade-A scoring chances for St. Louis? 16 uh, so, for St. Louis, 14 for the Oilers. So that's a lot of scoring chances for a game with three Huge. goals in it. Yeah. And 80 shots, 44-36 is a lot of shots for a game with three goals in it. And the only reason that Koskinen didn't steal a point or two for Edmonton was that Jake Allen had a very good game for uh, St. Louis, and he made a number of fine stops. And uh, got a little bit of help from his metal friends there down the stretch, but uh, Oilers did make it exciting, and the only reason they had a hope in hell was Mikko Koskinen again. And it's very unfortunate that, uh, in a sense, to waste that effort, although I think that's the kind of game that I hate to even mention moral victories, but it's the kind of game that lifts the team that that'll bring them up for the next game. Let's just Maybe. leave it there. Just, yeah, the, yeah, the, we'll uh, see, Kos- it's the, the sort Kos- of game that can do that. <laughs> the uh, Koskinen, the three mat, the three meter man, stood ten feet tall tonight, Bruce. Oh, did he ever? <laughs> he That's was just about that is just about three meters too, isn't it? Isn't it? He um, <laughs> he is so big on his knees. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're just really unable to beat him upstairs. They're mm-hmm. generally speaking, they're they're beating him on double A or triple A chances. Like so, if a double A chance is uh, you know thirty to forty percent, and a triple A chance is a shot that's you know forty percent and above, he's getting all, he's getting most of those twenty five percenters, all the great A ones. But they got they got to get a really really good chance. And you know that Jake Allen, the hottest goalie in the NHL since uh, early November. Um, has been Jake Allen, and the least hot goalie has been Mike Smith. So Koskinen got the start. It's the first time this year that Dave Tippett has started a goalie three times in a row when injury hasn't been a factor. And um, Koskinen sure gave the Oilers a chance to win this game. It was St. Louis was so dominant this game, Bruce. They just were for large throwing, segments of it. Yeah, they absolutely. were just throwing pucks at the net all over the Oilers. And the owners were just barely hanging in, mainly due to Koskin and, and some, I think, a, a goal post or two of uh, of the Koskin that went in Koskinen's favor earlier in the game as well. At least one Brower's shot, maybe another one. Was there a couple off the post? Anyway, um, yeah, Koskinen is uh, mm-hmm. he's looking well, like he, the real he deal. Made, he made one save with his blocker. Where it was a cross-ice pass, and they showed the low angle of it. And it looked like the guy had the entire net to shoot at, and he put it just inside the post. And Koskinen somehow snaked his arm all the way across there and got the outside of his blocker. Another sensational blocker save, two games in a row. 
that was one stop that stood out to me. But uh, was it David uh, Perron on that three on two? Was that David? Yes, that was Perron. He robbed. It was yeah. It yeah, was a well executed play, and it was a well executed shot. Other than he didn't get it right up under the bar, and if he had, that would have gone in. But he didn't leave it on the ice or anything. He got it about a foot and a half, two feet off the ice, and Costner got somehow got an appendage on it. And uh, <laughs> the one that stood. Sorry. Well, the one that stood up for me for Jake Allen was Nurse's shot. Yes, absolutely. Oh, he just had it there, really play. set him up. That was a very nice play. Okay, my good thing, Bruce, was the other's penalty kill. Um, the five on three, especially, was fantastic. You know, you, you just think it was a minute and a half of five on three. Yeah. Odds are a team's going to score, I think, uh, in that situation. And they hardly got a chance. Leon Dreisaitl. Um, he is a fantastic. I don't think there's anyone I'd rather see on the Oilers for the for the Edmonton Oilers on a five on three killing it off the Leon Dreisaitl. First choice. He's been the first choice all year. It's the third time that he's had an extended five on three where he was the main go to man, and complicating the situation much more this time was the fact that uh, two of the Edmonton's uh, top penalty killing defensemen were in the box, so they had to go. You know, uh, was um, Clefbaum. For the dastardly infraction of shooting the puck over the glass and then uh, chris russell went and now you're down to you know adam larson uh and the nurse bear tandem so you've only really got three you're gonna you're not gonna put out caleb jones in the three on five situation and those uh those defenders got the job done and and uh, the big man up front and you know he nearly scored like he he, he stole the puck and he went away he went down the right hand side and uh um burst in and you know he just just couldn't gain quite enough separation to get much on the shot but uh three on five goals are are the rarest of the rare they're rare jewels you get and on your team you might get one every five years along that order of magnitude is how rare a three on five goal the owners really couldn't get a bounce on the attack uh early on and like that was just just one of those moments where just if you just had another half of a foot he would have broken right in on the goalie. Like, I mean, he did get there, but he just did, couldn't get in, uh, couldn't bring it to his forehand, for instance, to get off the shot. Uh, so, right, you know, there's a there's a whole cast of characters. There's Riley Shea and, and uh, Jujur Kara, Josh Archibald, Ryan Eugene Hopkins. It's a team effort on the kill. And they're really doing us, they're doing a spectacular job as compared to the last few years. The, the, the number of cross-seam passes the other team's able to execute has gone down I don't know if you could put a percentage on it, but like, you know, let's say, let's say there was at least one or two per power play. Um, now there might be, if they have three power plays, they might get one cross seam pass if they're lucky. Mm-hmm. Voters have really taken that away. Credit to the coaching uh, staff for figuring out how to do that and the players themselves for executing that. And Ken Holland for bringing in um, a couple penalty killers who can who can also get the job done. So that's really, uh, it's giving them a chance. But just like Koskinen is giving them a chance in this game, that that also gave them a chance to win. And it's and um, that's a huge thing for the Oilers. Bruce, um, bad things. Yeah. Uh, my bad thing with the Oilers tonight has to do with puck management. And uh, specifically, and this was pointed out on the broadcast a couple times, so this won't really be a new thing to... Um, the listener probably, but uh, getting the puck over the damn blue line and getting it deep. And time and again, and I give St. Louis credit. I mean, they defend their blue line like demons. 
Uh, but there were a number of plays there where, where the simple play was get it behind the defense and then go battle for it deeper in St. Louis territory as opposed to trying to beat them along the line. And, and in the end, both of St. Louis's goals came off of uh, turnovers at their defensive blue line that they were able to turn up ice, one quickly into a goal and one that took a little bit of time, but, you know, they got possession and they never gave it back and bam, into the net she goes. And the, or they had other issues moving the puck sometimes, well, out of their own end. Um, but, the, but the real bugaboo was, uh, was entering that St. Louis zone. They're a much better puck-moving team than they were the last few years, like defense to mm-hmm. offense. They're, mm-hmm. You know, the, just, the, just the tactical change of passing the puck up the middle of the ice again, you see that two or three times a game, game and it's the difference between a long cycle and alleviating that cycle, getting the puck out. Um, Ethan Bear's made a huge difference because he's probably, well, there's no Oilers defenseman I'd rather see with a puck on a stick than Ethan Bear in the order zone. So suddenly he's in the lineup every game and you have that player and they're a different team because of it. He just, he's elevated nurse Oscar Clef bombs, having a really strong year moving the puck. Um, uh, nurse and Larson are getting a little better at it. <laughs> they have their moments. Um, Bruce, I'm going to segue off your, uh, not getting the puck deep into to one of those goals. This, the right. sequence of pain on the first goal against was one of the, most painful such sequences that we have had in the entire decade of darkness. Like, honestly, there was three, I counted at least three really egregious mental errors on that play. So I I, I believe that that group of players have been on the ice for some time and they needed a change. It was evident that they needed a change. All James Neal had to do was get that puck deep and he had all kinds of time to do it. Mm -hmm. And he just kept skating it into the back of other players, into his own teammate, into the other play. Like he just, again and again and again, he, he, it would have been the easiest play in the world for him to get that puck deep. Um, he had all kinds of time and he just didn't think that was the priority so that that defense pairing could change off. And he, he, in the end, he turned it over at the blue line. That was just a really, really not a veteran play for a veteran player. Follow, following up on that, for some reason, you know, Nurse has to know that Ethan Bear is going to be shifting off, and Darnell Nurse is way up on the play. He's he's encroach. He's over the blue line. He's caught way up on ice. So there's another mental error. And the where, third where one was, was sorry. Where was Gagne in all this? Was he just the guy that kind of was in the way of? of he was uh, in the way Neil? of Neil, and then he kind of lost a battle in the offensive end, oh. fighting for the puck after Neil gave it away. Mm-hmm. And then finally, there's Ethan Bear himself, who was really tired. But man, don't, what is this coasting off the ice stuff? What, what is this where if the puck isn't deep yet, you know, it's not going to be, it could be a difficult change. Hustle off the ice, hustle off this. Now, this wasn't a case like the last game where the guy coming on the ice didn't get on in time. Caleb Jones actually got on the ice as quickly as he could, but Bear took forever to get to the bench and it cost you all those, each one of those mistakes, if, if one of them hadn't happened, a There's cascade no goal again. of errors. We've seen this all too many times, uh, counting scoring chances against Edmonton Oilers for the last 10 years. Cascading errors, ending up with a cascading goals against average. Yes. So uh, uh, as sequences of pain goes, that was oh. that really... Boy, was I in a sour mood after that one, Bruce. Yeah, me too. He, me too. And here's why. It's the second time in a week they've made the exact same blunder. 
And the other time they lost a, uh, they lost six to five, and they they had a, a, a variety of disastrous goals against. But after that game was over, and you may remember in the subsequent post, I singled out that goal from all the goals in that game as being the one that probably you know cost them, uh, you know, 1.5 standings points. That's the difference between a one goal loss in regulation and a regulation tie, because half the time you're going to get the second point in overtime, right? So. In um, Minnesota there, at that time it was Nurse who was making the change, and it was McDavid turning the puck over inside the blue line, and it was... Um, Clefbaum um, who didn't get on the ice. And it was Clefbaum, we think, who didn't get on, who never did get on the ice, and it was... Uh, uh, but it was the same situation. It was the second period. It was a long change. It was the Oilers breaking into the other team's end, and the defenseman somehow deciding that, A, he needs to change from the far side of the ice, not even the near side defenseman. Both times the guy came across the ice and left that entire penalty box side wide open, and both times, guess where the play went after the turnover? Bam, down the penalty box side. Uh, was basically a breakaway. It was a two-on-one in, in, uh, in uh, Minnesota. Tonight, a clear-cut breakaway. But I'm asking you, what in the hell is going on on the bench? Why aren't they talking to players? Change, change, deep, 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 deep. Get it moving, you know. Like, hello, talk to one another. Yeah. Darnell and Ethan, tell one another. If one of you is going off, cover, cover. You know, I mean, there are words that express some of the some of the needs of the situation. Uh, and this maybe team, sometimes they're so. I don't know yeah. what the hell, but they 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 don't seem to have the communication down. And I I'm largely put it on the bench. The bench needs to be awake. I'm talking about the coaches and I'm talking about the players. They got to be awake and involved in the game and either telling Bear, he, you know, stay, stay rather than coming off when he did, or at least, you know, letting the forward know that, he, you know, something's going on behind him to get the puck deep. Uh, I mean, it's a simple play. You just have to make the simple play. But if you don't know what, you can't see 360 degrees around you. You need to hear with your ears and you need friendly teammates telling you what you need to hear. And I just don't see that happening. And you wind up with these gross blunders. And I mean, arguably between those two mistakes, it cost him three standing points. Because let's assume that otherwise the games go the same way, which is a big assumption. Let's assume the Oilers win one of the two in extra time, which is a reasonable assumption. That's three points from two shitty line changes. Hello? Yeah, it's... uh... It's really, really frustrating. It's frustrating as hell. I mean, it's basic, yeah. fundamental hockey. Change on the fly and do it right. If I'm the coach of the team, and it's a good thing for them, I'm not. They have an entire bag skate practice consisting of line changes. Hard rush up the ice, hard rush down the ice, hard rush up the ice, get it deep, get off, make your change, and do it over and over and over again about 300 times. I mean, When, when they're in one of those moments. Stuff, right. It's like... The pitcher covering first base, right? You do that stuff in spring training. Yeah. This is friggin' December. You know, Damn they got right. when, when when they're in one of those moments where they know they they're having a face off in the defensive zone after an icing or something. They just have to have mm-hmm. a code word like to to alert the forwards, to remind the forwards. Exactly. Your whole job here is to get over the red line and pound it deep. That's so it. We, so we the the, so, the, so the sucking wind can defenders can get the hell off That's the ice. That's your yeah. only job. That is your only job, James yeah. Neal, in that moment, and you didn't do it. Okay, uh, your number, Bruce. <laughs> oh, okay. We had both our bad things. Did we? we did. What was your? Yeah. yeah okay. uh, which, which... Uh, I was just segueing off yours. My number is eleven, <laughs> yeah. 
And dot number 11 is the number of goal posts hit by Leon Dreisaitl so far in 2019-20. We haven't even made it to 2020. He's already got 11, including, obviously, the one I'm referring to is the one he rang off the iron with 18 seconds to go in regulation. That was the tying goal if it hits the post and goes the other way. Leon now has 11 goal posts on the season, according to NHL.com. And that is five more than any other player in the NHL. Jacob Verana and Anthony Beauvillier each have six. And then you're down to guys with five. If you count posts and crossbars, Elias Pedersen has five of one and three of the other for eight. But Leon's got 11. I thought, oh, long I've been saying, geez, Leon hits more posts than anyone. But I didn't realize it was such a margin. Holy moly. That so was the guy with one. 21 goals. That's yeah. also got 11 goal posts. That was a real tough one. I mean, that, that hurts with uh, with uh, I mean, that situation. Again, it's one and a half standings points. If that hits the post and goes the other way, they got a point, and they're, and they're in overtime. Oh, they came so close in the last minute oh. to score, and there was a couple yeah. times when the McDavid got the puck in the slot, and, and he's what a fantastic offensive hockey player he is. My number is, though, three, and it's a reference to him and others, Nugent Hopkins. Three is the times that um, s- centers left their man wide open in the slot for, you know, great A scoring chances. And Nugent, Nugent Hopkins did it twice mm-hmm. and McDavid did it on the one goal. Now Cassian was also there. Cassian was actually F1. He was the first guy back and he kind of, all he had to do was block that. All he had to do was stay in the middle of the ice, actually, Zach Cassian. And all McDavid had to do was stay with his man and take the stick. Um, two, two, two plays where Nugent was doing the same thing, which is Nugent, his bad, ha- his bad habit, the puck's behind the net and he's puck watching. Instead of taking that man, instead of taking the body, he's puck watching and the puck goes by him and it goes to the guy in the slot. And he he, he was responsible himself for two grade eight chances that way. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins is a veteran player yeah. with a reputation as a defensive player. Well, every time I hear that, I think, well, actually, no, I've seen that mis- mistake too many times. Uh, from Nugent Hopkins throughout his career, continuing on now to really think of him as a strong defensive player. He's got to stop doing that. He's got to start taking that man in the slot and making that play consistently. He's a, He is a, obviously a very bright individual. Uh-huh. He's just puck watching. And this this habit, of, it's, it's, it's driving yeah. me crazy. Yeah, he's good at attacking the... The, the guys, if the puck is on the guy's stick, he'll go after the stick and the puck. But if the puck hasn't yet arrived on the guy's stick, he needs to sometimes recognize the play and take the stick before the puck gets there. That's the way to defend that. And McDavid, I mean, that is, I mean, we're seeing this too often, David. And I mean, this was a game-winning goal and a 2-1 regulation loss. This one really hurts. And it was a matter of, he, he got beat by some dude named Mackenzie McEachern. Wonder if his teammates call him Mac Mac. Anyway, Mackenzie <laughs> McEachern. You think you know, like I don't care who the other guy is. He's in the NHL. You got to cover him and you got to respect him and you got to check him as if he's a dangerous opponent. And if you don't, then sometimes what winds up happening is what did happen. And that's it's a, a painful reminder. Uh, and if it was a one-off, I would be uh, a lot more forgiving of it. But it's the farthest thing from a one-off. It's been happening way, way, well, way too and- often. Bruce, and for the last year, mm-hmm. McDavid, oh, you know, last la- ha- half of last year, he was he no forward was on the ice for more goals against uh, mm-hmm. as a rate. McDavid in the league. In the league. Yeah. Now, now that's just you know he's just not on the ice. It doesn't mean, but when you're the center, you're out. You're in the middle of things. You know, you you often are 
responsible for that goal against. And um, he, he was responsible for a lot of goals against. It's something he's got to improve. Like, he, he's desperate to win. These players are all oh, desperate well, to win. Well, they can do something about it. He can, can win do something about it. Win at both ends of the ice. And if, you're, if you intend to win anything serious, you've got to win at both ends of the ice. It's just the yeah. only way to be done. And here's my mandatory Ken Dryden book reference for the <laughs> okay, night. For he it. was talking about the Boston Bruins and about yeah. how there's these teams like the Bruins that are just so unbelievably entertaining. Boston Bruins of the 60s and 70s, Esposito, right. or just mm-hmm. how entertaining they are. But you could count on them, he said. You could count on them to make the big air. Chicago Blackhawks of the 1960s were the same thing, he said. These yep. teams with all of this talent, but they didn't take care of the details. The details that you, you wrote a post on this, the details is a big, it's a big uh, word in hockey right now, like taking care oh. of the details. This is the detail that the Oilers centers have got to, they've got to, before the game, they have to visualize themselves. Mm-hmm. Visualize himself shoulder checking, finding that man, taking his stick, backing up, covering him so he can't get off that shot. And they got to think every time, every time there's a uh, that play where the, the guy in the corner on the defenseman there, and, the, and I just want to go help that. I want to go get that puck. No, I've got to back away and take that other player. I've got to take the danger man, the, the guy who's lurking in the background, who is actually the one who's the biggest threat to score a goal. Not the guy with the puck in the corner or behind uh-huh. the net passing it, but the guy in the slot. That is the center's job in that situation. And they've got to start making that play. And, and until they do, Bruce, they're not mm-hmm. gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna turn this around in Edmonton. You got yeah, and you got and if the guy's a few feet in front of you, rather than watch the pass and shot from a safe distance, you gotta bust your ass and get on him. Yeah. You know, sort of gliding with that hand, two hands on the stick, three feet away from the guy that's about to put the puck in the net, yeah. that really doesn't help a whole lot. And to give Drew Remendic credit, he mm-hmm. called it out. You know, a he lot did. of announcers wouldn't. And mm-hmm. now McDavid is actually getting a lot of criticism right now. Well, like, deservedly games, so. I mean, yeah, yeah this, this, this is a regular Drew event, credit, David. You know, usually, often that kind of thing won't be called out by the hometown announcer. And Drew did. He pointed it out in fair terms. And I think we're making a fair criticism here. It's not like we don't like this player. We love this player. We think he's yeah, a fantastic absolutely, player. Absolutely. I also think he's actually has the makings of a fantastic defensive player because there's nobody. He just needs to apply that. He just needs to. Everywhere when, on the ice. when he doesn't have the puck, just be aware of his man and, and not puck watch and just figure out who his man is and cover that guy so he can't get a pass. Simple as that, really. I mean, steal it off. I mean, McDavid is as good as anyone around at taking the puck off the other guy, but it's pretty hard to take it off him if you're, you know, three feet behind him. Like, you got you got to want it just as bad 200 feet from the other team's net as 20 feet from the other team's net. you got to want it all over the ice, and it's uh, it's a truism. Um, well, he was up against Mac Mac. <laughs> he was up against Mac Mac, you're right. <laughs> he was up against Ryan O'Reilly a hell of a lot, but ironically... It was Mac Mac who uh, who wound up killing the Oilers with uh, with the game winner. Rye Rye and Mac Mac. All uh, right, Bruce, <laughs> let's leave it there. Thanks for uh, talking tonight. All right, good luck. You're playing the game tonight. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. Thank good you, luck. Bruce. Let us know how it goes, and uh, we'll talk to everyone on Friday night. Thanks for listening, everyone. It will go very very slow. At least when I'm on the ice, I can assure you. All right. Thanks, Bruce. And in the meantime. And in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.